The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. We just watched a video about Katie Davis, who is changing an entire area in Uganda. Um, This video was released just before um, her book was released in 2011, and her book is called Kisses from Katie, and it kind of tells her story. And how did this all this start for her? Well, in December of 2006, Katie was a senior in high school in Tennessee, and she went on a trip to Uganda. And while she was there, her heart was so moved by the culture and the people, she decided to go back the next summer after she graduated from high school on a 10-month teaching expedition, um, teaching orphans. And it was just an incredible experience for her, but one of the hardest things for her was when she got there and saw all these school-age children who were not going to school. There weren't public schools in that area for them to attend, and so they just weren't going to school. And so she decided to stay. And she began a child sponsorship program. And as part of that program, she decided that she was going to match up sponsors from all over the world to care for, to provide money to to care for more than 600 kids now is how many are sponsored through her program. Shortly after that, she established a nonprofit organization that is caring for the physical, social, and spiritual needs of the kids that it cares for, and the people that it cares for. She also started a feeding program in one of the biggest at-risk places in the area that now feeds more than 1,200 children every day, Monday through Friday. If that weren't enough, she also, yeah, she also started a vocational program that's helping women to have sustainable jobs where they're providing magazine bead necklaces that are now being sold in the United States. And oh, by the way, she now has 14 girls that call her mom. What an inspiring story. She's done more in her, by the, her early 20s than most people will do in their entire lives. And it's such an amazing story of an American teenager who decided rather than living the typical life, which she would have been very successful at, she decided to live the adventure in Africa Now, Katie's story is inspiring, but it can also be a little deflating because for those of us who look at somebody doing something so extraordinary, it may make us feel like our lives are so small compared to that. She is so awesome. I am never going to be that awesome. And so it can be a little deflating. Well, we didn't show you this video today to make you feel bad. And we didn't show this video today to say that you have to be exactly like Katie Davis and do exactly what she's doing. But we, what we wanted to show you is that when we say becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is the greatest adventure, we wanted to show you somebody who's living proof that that is true. Living the adventure is not always easy, and it may not always make sense to the people around you, but it has the promise of an extraordinary life. So what are you waiting for? That's the question that we're asking in this series. What is it that's holding you back from the extraordinary life that God has for you? Some people would answer that question by saying, direction. 
I look at somebody like Katie and I see somebody who has clear direction. She has a clear life's calling. She knows exactly what she's supposed to do. And I don't have that clarity, many of us are saying. Well, the more that I have walked with God, the more that I have found that God doesn't necessarily reveal himself in those burning bush moments where he speaks audibly and says, this is what I have for you. He usually reveals himself to people as they journey with him along the way, as they're pursuing him. So today, I want to talk about direction, but I'm not going to say move to Africa, (laughs) although maybe somebody will want to. But each and every one of us have a different calling in our life, and the way that we are going to find just what God wants us to do is to begin to pursue him daily. So we're going to talk about some very practical ways to do that, and we're going to do that by looking at Acts chapter 2. Now, if you, if you were here at Highlands about six months ago when Lyle was here, I know he preached through the book of Acts. And I know that for those of you who were here, you're probably aware that the, the book of Acts tells the story of the early church and all the things that they did to take God's word throughout the region. And in Acts chapter 2, we find a very idealistic community. One church as it's supposed to be, where people just all get it. Now, if you keep reading a few chapters, you find that soon that all gets messed up because people are involved, and people always tend to mess up these things. But we can learn a lot from this window into this one moment in the church where everything was just going so well. So let's read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So for those who want to live the life of adventure, we find in this passage some very good keys into pursuing God. And I want to talk about those keys using four different words this morning. The first word is grow. The next one is connect. The third is pray. And the fourth is serve. Now let me first say that if you're anything like me and and you've got these four words in front of you and you're like, man, my mind can only handle one thing at a time. I can't multitask. I personally cannot multitask. Some of you can talk on the phone, type on your computer, eat a sandwich, and talk to your family all at the same time. I cannot do that. I have very much tunnel vision, and so it's hard for me to focus on four things at the same time. The good news is, a lot of these things you can do together at the same time. And if that's still not good enough, then make note of all four and say, you know what, I really want to work on one. You don't have to master everything today. The first word is grow. One of the biggest differences in the landscape of the Central Coast that I've noticed since I lived here 20 years ago is how many vineyards there are now. 
They're everywhere. They've always been here, but never at the level that they are now. And I know, and I'm told, that every vineyard that you see is a testimony to patience because it takes a long time to get where you want to go. I learned that there's a lot of work you have to do before you can even plant the vines. You have to cut the ground, stake it out, put the end posts in. You have to run hose and you have to run line and you have to water the ground before you even start to plant. I'm also told that once you plant, it can take three, even four years before those vines start to produce. And that it can take several more years for them to become fully mature and produce the large yield of grapes that are so desired. And that's a lot like the spiritual life is. It's a process. It takes time. It takes patience. And we need to grow in order to produce the fruit that God has for us and the good things that God wants us to do in our lives. The fruit that Katie is now producing in in her life is the result not of just going to Africa one time, but it's the result of the growth that happens throughout her younger years when she was a teen. And she talked about how I did this because it was in the Bible. She knew it because she had spent time in God's Word. In the passage that we read, it says that they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Not some of the time, not when it was convenient, but they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching has been preserved for us in the New Testament of the Bible. So this may seem counterintuitive, but if you want to live the adventure, then maybe you ought to start by sitting down and reading. Because in this, you find something very active going on in God's Word. As you read God's Word, it also reads you. It penetrates your heart. And it makes an enormous impact in your life. As you read, you'll grow in knowledge, but you'll also grow in love for God and for your neighbor. So if you've been waiting for direction to jump into the life of adventure, then maybe it's time to spend some time focusing on your spiritual growth. Spend some time in God's Word. Get together with a small group, or maybe both, and spend some time really focusing on that. The next word is connect. The Acts 2 church continually devoted themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Well, fellowship, that is far more than just hanging out together. Fellowship is really talking about a deep relationship of mutual support, encouragement, accountability, and spiritual vitality. And breaking of bread kind of has a twofold meaning. It means both the sacramental act of having communion together, but it also means just sitting around a table and having meals together because there is something really awesome that happens when we sit down and we eat together. You know, God has wired us all differently. Some people are the life of the party, and they need to be around a lot of people in order to be energized and to feel alive. One of the cruelest things that you can do to somebody like this is put them in solitary confinement for 24 hours. It would feel like torture. Then there's other people for whom solitary confinement sounds just fine. And people just drain them of their energy. And they can relate to what Donald Miller said when he said, I am like a power screwdriver that needs to be plugged in for 20 hours 
to get 10 minutes worth of use. Some of you can relate to that. Well, regardless of where you are, if you're the life of the party or if you are on the recluse side of the continuum, we all still need community. We were made for it. We were made to be around other people, and we can't be healthy without it. There's some recent studies that have actually supported this from a totally pragmatic standpoint. One study, the MacArthur Study of Successful Aging, says this. It established that people with strong social connections enjoy better health. There was another study that was done at Harvard University where for nine years they tracked 7,000 people. And they found that those who were not in community were three times more likely to die prematurely than those who were in community. And then there's this. People in their study who smoked, drank, and overate but were in community had a better life expectancy than those with better health habits who were out of community. (laughs) Community is important, isn't it? It's important in life, and it's vitally important in faith. So perhaps the next step for you is to find a way to get more involved with people who are going along this adventure of faith with you. Maybe it's a simple step like spending a little bit more time out on the lawn after service. Or maybe it's, it's saying, you know what, we're going to go to the events, the, the fun and the social events, the barbecues that are going to be held this summer with Highlands so that we can just get to know some people. Or maybe it's a deeper step in saying, no, I want to get involved in a small group, and I want to spend some time really going deeper. I want to get involved in a ministry team and get to know those people. And you can actually take care of a few of those things on the screen all at once if you do those things. The third word is pray. Have you heard the story about the guy who went out hunting on a Sunday and decided not to go to church? And he was walking along a river, and as he was walking along, he heard a rustling in the bushes. And he was terrified to see that it was a grizzly bear. And so he just started running as fast as he could. But the problem is that grizzly bears are faster than humans. And so he turned around and saw it gaining quite quickly, and he took a false step when he was looking back, and he rolled down into a a ravine. And as he was lying there, Looking up at this bear charging at him, in desperation, he let out this prayer to God. Lord, I am so sorry for everything that I have done wrong. Please grant me just this one wish. Lord, please make this bear a Christian bear. (laughs) And at that, immediately as the bear got right up next to him, it stopped, it dropped to its knees, it folded its paws together... And it said, Lord, please bless this food that I am about to receive. (laughs) Well, this funny little story illustrates the two times that most people pray. We pray when we're totally desperate, like the man, and have nowhere else to turn, and we pray before we eat our meals, maybe. But prayer can be so much more than that. Prayer is a time where we can commune with the living God, where we can release God's power in our lives and in our world, 
where we can learn about who God is and he teaches us who we are. When we pray, we can confess to God our shortcomings and then receive God's grace and his mercy that covers them all. If you want to see God's power unleashed in your life, then I want to encourage you to do what those people in Acts 2 did. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. The longer I've been in ministry, the more I've seen that if something amazing is happening, if somebody is living the adventure, if there are a group of people making an impact, it's only happening because there are people praying for them. Prayer is powerful. God won't always answer our prayers in the ways that we expect him to. He won't always answer them on our timeline. But if we continually seek him in prayer, we will find him and we'll be amazed at what he does. Well, the fourth and final word is serve. I have a question. How do you measure greatness? Do you measure greatness in terms of power or in terms of service? Power is me-focused. It imposes my will on others. It seeks to control. It uses its resources to gain more for itself. On the other side of the coin is service, which is other-focused. And it pursues what's best for the other person. It seeks to give. And it uses its possessions and its resources to bless others. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. Who's greater? The dictator who gains power and prestige and position and possessions through intimidation, or the young high school graduate who decides to go to Uganda and change the lives of thousands, including those girls that today call her mom. We read that the Acts 2 church sold property and possessions and gave to anyone as they had need. And they had everything in common. Now, the point of of reading this and learning about this is not to say that we should all move into a commune. That is not what was going on here. What was actually going on is that these were people who were living by an important principle in life. That principle is this. They valued people over possessions. When we serve, we are valuing people over possessions. So if you are looking for direction on how to live the adventure, then do what Katie Davis does on a daily basis. Begin to serve people. Don't wait. Look for an opportunity to jump in. You don't even have to go to Africa to do it. You can do it right outside your door. So here are some questions to ask. Where am I being called to serve? Am I being called to serve locally in my church and in my community? Am I being called to serve regionally? Am I being called to serve internationally? Another question you can ask is, how am I being called to serve? Am I being called to serve through acts of compassion, like giving a hungry person a fish? Through acts of empowerment, like teaching that person to fish? Or through sharing the good news with somebody who desperately needs to hear it? How am I being called to serve? And finally, what do I have to give? 
Well, all of us have varying degrees in time, treasure, and talent. We're all given 24 hours in our day and seven days a week. So is it possible that God wants us to give some of our time to serve others? Or our treasure, we have possessions and we have money. Is it possible that God wants us to give of those things so that others might have more and that others might live? And finally, talent. Each of us has unique attributes, whether they were given to us at birth or we have worked hard to develop them over time. We have unique talents that we can give to serve other people. Maybe it's time to serve. So there you have it. Four words. Grow, connect, pray, serve. If you're ready to live the adventure and you're looking for direction, then maybe it's time to get serious about your spiritual growth and grow in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's time to connect with other people who are along the journey with you. Maybe it's time to really pray consistently and unleash God's power in your life. And maybe it's time to serve and to live the life of greatness. If you focus on these four things, you will find yourself living the adventure. Please bow and pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity for us to gather together. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to really think about these four areas and, and think, if, is there somewhere that you want us to take that next step? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.